welcome back. Another episode of, uh, well, this one's about base people, part two. Uh, today we'll go down the road discussing uh, Yuri Bezmenov and uh, how he um, gave us a, a unique warning in terms of uh, how we were going to get to this particular point in our U.S. Uh, society. At the time when he made his uh, observations, the the USSR was our our main threat. Uh, this was in 1984 when uh, he was discussing this. Now I'm not going to play any audio from him. Uh, there's there there's a substantial uh, outlets out there that have have his uh, his uh, viewpoints. As a matter of fact, I'm going to reference back to my book, which uh, I created a chapter based upon his. Uh, his information on uh, because he gave us an early warning, uh, but we're going to start off with something that uh, he would have uh, he would see for what it was, uh, and of course we see it too. But uh, he would have warned he would have he he made quite a bit of uh, um, pronouncements on the idea of social justice and and where we were going with that particular ideology and and why that's such crap. So. I got to first turn off my mic on the the video side since I'm also video recording this. So anyway, this is uh, from uh, a guy named uh, Salty Cracker. Uh, he's on uh, YouTube. He's on Odyssey. He's on Rumble. Uh, the links will be in the description below this uh, uh, Sprecher um, audio. So we'll start there and go go on. Sure frontline soldiers. This is none of the fucking men and women serving at the actual front line. Pregnant women don't want to be on the front lines. Pregnant women don't need fucking Kevlar designed for them. Pregnant women understand that when they're pregnant, they shouldn't be anywhere near kinetic weapons going off around them. No, no, this is all bullshit. You got a bunch of woke pussy generals in the military put in there by Obama, removed by Trump, and then put back in there by Biden, and they run it out there, and they're pushing this nonsense of how we got a new woke military. Everybody sees what's going on. This is an attack. This is to make our military way less effective. And that's why they're coming out and attack us. This is why these four-star woke pussy generals are doing press tours. Because Tucker Carlson is pointing out that our military is under attack. Let's remember that those opinions were made by an individual who has never served a day in his life. Let's remember that's all about drama TV. While you have kids in Russia being taught how to strip down an AK-47 and rebuild it back up in the snow, blindfolded, and the Chinese military members are being fed beer and steak to build their testosterone, our military is hyper-concerned about women's clothing. They worried about how much makeup you're wearing, hairstyles, and fucking maternity jumpsuits. That's not an accident. That's a full-scale attack, and that's why Tucker Carlson is the focal point of the mainstream media press and the woke four-star generals. We're pointing out that the CCP has infiltrated our military at the top levels, and they're trying to make our military way less effective by in, uh, by pouring in this woke nonsense. Well, we're going to call it out, and we'll join the fight with Tucker Carlson, even though he's on Fox News. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for watching the video. Support you. I'm going to be kept up to date with this woke nonsense, making our military members out there way less effective. Hit that subscribe button and make what? Because the salt must flow. So there you go. Um, that's a, um, well, as somebody who's actually served in the military, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in long and I wasn't anybody important. I'm not saying I didn't win any medals. I'm not, uh, hoorah, you know, I did all these great things. No, but I did serve, and unlike uh, Mr. Uh, current, uh, I mean, the guy that they were uh, uh, referencing there, uh, Salt was uh, Salty Cracker. Uh, I can I can say for almost certain that you shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't want women in the military at all. But if we're going to have them in the military, uh, they have they have a limited role and should be in limited roles. Um, just Based, based on pure biology. Um, little story here. I was born in Quantico, Virginia. Both my mom and my dad were uh, in the Marine Corps. So my mom served in the United States Marine Corps in 1970 uh, through 73. So, and I came about in uh, August of uh, 72, which is probably too much uh, personal information, but uh, whatever. I'm not at that point where it really matters to me. 
anyways, um, the the point being here is is that and then I served in the United States Navy, and I uh, had my ability to get involved with a, a couple of uh, women while I was in service, and I can tell you that uh, yeah, there was a lot of that that went on in uh, the service, and there's a lot of women who, uh, for reasons that you know only they know, but we can make uh, surmises about you know what happens. Uh, maybe it gets too hard. Maybe they don't want to be there anymore. Uh, there are a lot of women who uh, wash out early on in their career uh, due to relationships, and military is rife with that, rife with a lot of other things too. There's rife with alcoholism and uh, things that can uh, make a, a fighting unit uh, less effective. And the military knows this. Anybody who's been in the military for any amount of time can tell you that too. You're, you're, um, once you're in the military, you are uh, trapped into your service agreement. Uh, the government owns you during that time. I mean, when I say own you, they literally, you know, if you don't obey their orders, they will, they will bring up charges, uh, uh, violation of the UCMJ, and they'll uh, take you to, well, in the Navy, they'll take you to captain's mass, and other branches, they'll take you uh, through the court-martial process and go from there. Uh, this isn't... Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't un, uh, not understood. Uh, there was a book written back in the 1990s. Uh, Kelly uh, Kelly Flynn, I think, was her name. Uh, it was a book called Proud to Be. She was one of the first. Uh, I think she may have been the first B one B one bomber pilot, as a matter of fact. And she got involved in a relationship while she was located out in Minot, South Dakota, I think, or North Dakota. I'm not an Air Force person, so I wouldn't know. But I know it was in the Dakotas. I know it was my not. So anyway, um, she got into a relationship with uh, as an officer with a uh, with an enlisted personnel, and, and that caused her a, a great amount of consternation in terms of her career path. Which is to say, uh, why was she getting involved with this guy? And the guy was married too. And the military frowns upon all this stuff. And now the military's turned into this uber woke. Uh, situation where they're uh, they're pushing these pushing these narratives, and you know this is this goes to the Besmanov uh, situation that I was discussing. So um, I'm going to go back go to book here first. Um, so from my book, and I'm going to turn off my uh, face on uh, this camera here. So uh, the title of the chapter is uh, Yuri Besmanov, Defector in America's Vital Early Warning. And um, he had a whole a whole host of uh, things that were discussed, but in particular, uh, ideological subversion about ideas and the structures. So when you look at the ideas, you look at the, the religion, uh, education, media, and the culture. So, I mean, I connected it to the 21st century, and I said, you know, religion destroyed connection with a higher power, uh, nihilism through media gods. Uh, that's what the media is. is It's a substitute for actual religion and uh, and spirituality. Uh, if we want to get down to a more a more uh, broader interpretation, because I don't I don't necessarily think that you have to join a club or join a religion, almost like like the military. The military is an institution. It is it should be valued while you're in it and and I supportive. But like like anything, uh, it all everything has to be taken. Um, you have to be committed, and that's the same way with a religion. You should be committed to what the the precepts of uh, certain religions, and you know, go with that foundation. So you got education. Um, uh, right now, they're teaching identity oppression politics, uh, create specialness, destroy the past. Uh, media, uh, you promote fringe go- fringe groups, uh, present males as goofs, incompetent, and evil. In your cultural aspects, you try to tear down statues, erase art, demonize founders as toxic white males, which is what they've been doing for the last year. Uh, this is being driven by our main foe, our main enemy, uh, the CCP, amongst other things. Uh, we're going to discuss that later. So under structure, law and order, I think most of us can realize that the law and order in this country has gone to pot. Uh, we've been uh, uh, had... Um, Issues with um, 
destroying due process, which was uh, instituted or started under uh, Barack Obama with his uh, Dear Colleague letter um, back in 2000, April of 2011. You have uh, social relations. You make allegations on social media uh, based in all interactions on power, uh, security. Uh, you encourage unlawful immigration. We found that that problem has arose here in the last uh, six weeks or two months. Uh, uh, Biden basically rang a dinner bell and and said, "Come on up." But then you know, it, it's a it's I I've seen some of the situations uh, being uh, recorded and stuff, and the the amount of immigration has been significant. Uh, you provide subsidies on the security, so you're basically subsidizing the problem. And you ignore the crime that comes out of it, and you also ignore crime in general, which has been going on in heavy uh, every major metro area has seen a significant increase in unlawfulness because the 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 what little police if you're still a member of the police force in these major metropolitan areas, you either uh, are so tied to getting a paycheck, but yet you're not enforcing the law, so you're either a leftist. Or you're somebody that has no principles and you're just willing you're willing to sell out America. Just saying, that's the truth. Um, internal politics, yeah. So, using the fourth branch uh, agencies to subvert the executive branch, which was done throughout the Trump administration, and now they're now they're completely in line with uh, Biden. And of course, they're probably a lot of them are corrupt or, uh, corrupted or compromised because that's what DC's turned into. And foreign, you refuse to, uh, uh, foreign uh, in terms of structure, uh, the refusal to adhere to legitimate election results, which was a, a Clinton tactic, and that was the reason why we had the Russian collusion and the Ukrainian investigation and all that other jazz. Uh, life, uh, family, and society. So you're undermining the family through education, law, media, and ideology. Uh, health, uh, you're teaching poor habits, encouraging obesity. Expecting others to pay for ill health, promote radical programs. See, individual accountability for one's life is 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 a hallmark of uh, maturity. Um, I think so many people think that they can just you know, and we all mature at different rates. We don't always. Some people hit maturity very quickly in life. Uh, there's this, there is a certain amount. That's the reason why family is so important. If you grow up with a stable family that teaches values of working hard and, and, and trying to educate yourself and, and, and taking accountability for your flaws and, and whatnot, um, you, become, um, you become a much more secure person. Now, I understand a lot of uh, people that are on the left, uh, with, they came from broken families, which is indicative. It's a, it's a tell. It's a, what would you call it? Um, it's a... Um, correlating aspect let's call it that um it correlates well with the behaviors that they take on they think that society has to be held accountable uh through um you know you have this psychological aspect of internal locus of control and external locus of control and most people think of um they want to look at the external locus they want to say that there's a everything outside of me is what's causing my problems Instead of taking any stock of what's inside of themselves and, and determining that that needs to be fixed, um, it's very easy to blame everybody else. And oh, by the way, it doesn't mean that other people can't be doing things to you. It, that very well can be the case. But uh, if if you're if you're um, what did you say resilient inside, and you know that those people are doing those things, why wouldn't you just divorce yourself from them as much as possible? This is the reason why you develop conservatism or an individual streak or a libertarian streak is the idea that you do not want to be harnessed by other people. Uh, you want to take your relationships as you see them. Uh, I understand lefties are over collect They like to collectivize and they think that there's strength in numbers and they think there's some strength in some tangible outward identity that makes them part of some group while maintaining that they're extremely special because of that so anyway we'll move on to some of what Yuri's story is so Yuri Bezmenov was alias Tomas Schumann he defected from the KGB in 1970 
He was born to a Russian military officer in 1939, experiencing the aftermath of World War II as a child. He was self-aware and knew Marxist-Leninism is an absolutely false system that produces none of the advantages or benefits of the worker's paradise that it promises. His father's connection to the military afforded him a training that most in the United States never received at the Institute of Oriental, Oriental Languages that was under direct control of the KGB and Communist Central Committee. This university was a haven for future diplomats, future Soviet diplomats, foreign correspondents, and spies. He learned languages, Hindi, Uru, English, military tactics, and interrogation methods as a primer for deployment to India as a translator in the 1960s. Yuri noted a time-honored scheme, a money exchange scam, that the Russians would buy up Indian goods and rubles, sell those goods in the United States or British currency because rubles don't trade well on the open international market. The Soviets canceled debts with foreign powers going back to the birth of the Bolshevik Revolution. The reason the ploy worked, as Yuri observed, is not because Indians are unintelligent, but rather ideologically subverted to believe that their Russian allies are their friends. Um, this wasn't the first subversion, a subversion mission. Russians cozied up to China in the 1920s, uh, educating high-ranking officials' offspring on their new ideology. Peter Nevelle Hadley wrote that bigger names at the Moscow universities included two abandoned sons of Mao who spent nearly 10 years in Russia and 15 years of, uh, uh, and the 15-year-old of Jiang Jiguo, I can't um, uh, pronounce his name, later premier and president of Taiwan, sent to Russia by his father, nationalist leader Shanghai Shek. So it was Shanghai Shek's uh, um, uh, son. When Mao came to power in 1949, Russia expanded in influence, sending advisors until conflict arose over a multitude of issues, personalities of leaders, dominance, and territorial claims by China. China's always done that. They always make ter make these rat. They make they're is just as I hate to say it, just as bad as the Russians of all were at that time. Uh, China always claims that they own Taiwan. They they own the all the sea, all the. Uh, South Pacific, or actually, I could call it, I guess you would call it the West Pacific. They they say that all the territorial waters uh, up to Japan, up to Taiwan, the Philippines. I've even heard some craziness that they think they 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 own all the water all the way up to Australia. So they've always been aggressive. They're aggressive against the Indians. Um, uh, for example, I guess the that border. There's been disputes there over last summer. Uh, but that's been going on for a multitude of years, and it gets it gets buried in the press. I'm sure the Indian Indian population over there knows well uh, all well about it. The ones that care, and I know a lot of them do. And Indians have probably are probably are Modi and his al his. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about Modi. I just know that he was aligned with Trump in some way, shape, or form. So. Um, that would have been a helpful ally if we would have continued on with the uh, second administration of Trump, but we're not in that we're not in that timeline, and we're not going to be, at least not at this not at the, any any time soon. So, as Elizabeth McGuire, a professor of history at California State, noted from her book *Red at Heart*, what began as a trickle in the 1920s still represents a significant portion uh, of the Chinese Communist Party membership at the time. And by 1928, as much as 15% of the Politburo members had been educated in uh, Russia. In total, up to the 1950s, 8,000 or more Chinese students passed through Russian revolutionary institutes, typically staying for about two years. So, as I've uh, I illuminated uh, now um, in this book, so right now there's about there's supposedly about two million Chinese uh, connected uh, spies throughout the world. So that just tells you the escalation. Uh, there's about 90 plus million members of the Chinese Communist Party, actual members. Of, that doesn't mean they're all spies. A lot of them are obviously in China, and they're not, but they're doing other things. But of a population of approximately 1.5 to 1.6 billion people, it tells you how, how how bad it is when you don't know exact populations because the Chinese never tell you exactly what that is. That about ninety percent of their population is is just commoners, 
and the rest of them are are uh, you know they're on the payroll and uh there that's the the that's basically what uh communism is you know uh you have a very high elite at the very top who manage a bunch of technocrats or supposedly a, a, a command control system and the people below that are they're just you know your average peasants they work the fields and they do what they're told and they don't shut their mouth and they don't rise up and that doesn't even count the people that are in the the uh, the PLA and other aspects and it's a lot more complex than I can even make it I'm not going to pretend to be an absolute expert on China I took I took a course in a course on it and I've done some reading on China but uh and you do more and more and the more and more you see it it's just it's a huge tentacle system. They just go out throughout the world and they, um, they, they, they sell people their enslavement. See, the one thing you can always do, and everybody's a sucker for this, is the debt, the debt trap. Which, um, matter of fact, I'll uh, let's see. Uh, so for the video people, so up until uh, 2019, uh, our um, M1 money stock. It only took it took till 2019 to get it to four trillion dollars. Um, this is important because you know that's the money in currency. Now M1 is up to 18 trillion. That's U.S. So we're we're uh, going to create a huge inflationary bubble, and it's about ready to kick off here, probably by the summertime in the United States. I don't know how how fast or how high it'll go, but it will go. And our people in the money markets are making money. And um, the banksters are, you know, they're, they're trying to um, ship. That's why you've seen or heard so much about, you know, people are buying up hard assets because they know there's all this free money out there or all this money's out there. And they're trying to take that money and they're trying to put it in something a little bit more solid because they're, they're going to make a huge, they, they know that the assets are important. Hard assets are about the only thing. But this has been, but for the average person, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's gonna be a massive collapse. I don't know if it's gonna be a Zimbabwe type collapse, but if it happens, it'll happen under Joe's watch. Uh, we just passed a 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus. Right now, they're basically testing the MMT theory. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is they're trying to do it. The people that are doing this aren't. They're just, they're just evil people. That's it. <laughs> there's no other way to discuss that. So, anyway, uh, I want to get to something about, I guess, Yuri, I guess. Um, but we'll stop. Uh, I'll read on the, on about this. Uh, the USR, USSR propaganda arms were always moving on the chessboard, as another KGB defector, Ladislav Bittman, explained. The history of the Russian Communist Party before and after the revolution explains why Soviet uh, leaders are more confident of secret games played by the KGB to manipulate international relations. Uh, their conflict creating military arms deployed in Berlin in 1948, Hungary 1956, Cuba 1962, Czechoslovakia 1968, Afghanistan in 1979, and among, among others. Immediately after their aggression, Soviet leaders claimed peaceful coexistences threatened by American and Western imperialists. Meanwhile, their forces stayed put until the USSR collapsed in 1991, some 46 years after World War II. And then uh, we have the classic picture here of Checkpoint Charlie, um, which was uh, where we had to face down in, in, across from the Berlin Wall. So anyway, uh, I want to move forward ahead here with, uh, well, well, we'll start with uh, Ladislav's uh, uh, talk or discussion a searing example laid in Ladislav Bittman's active measures page turner the KGB and Soviet disinformation and insiders view from 1985 from the outset Bittman stated I spent 14 years in communist intelligence including two years as deputy commander of the Czechoslovakian disinformation department I got involved in many operations against the so-called outside enemies of socialism Following the Soviet in invasion of Czechoslovakia in 1968, defected and asked the American government for political asylum. Bittman detailed similarly what Yuri noted as the intelligence activities from behind the Iron Curtain and their threats internationally. Such threats came home to roost, as Ladislav wrote. 
in May and June of 1968, anonymous pamphlets and threatening letters frequently appeared on the doors of houses, telephone poles, and telephone booths. Continuing on threats and methods, Bittman wrote, when Moscow needed visual evidence of imperialist intrigues and dangers of counter-revolution in Czechoslovakia, the KGB manufactured it. Caches of weapons were found out from an anonymous tip promoted vigorously by the press. The Rabinichko, for example, attacked the Czech government for their passiveness regarding dissidents. Fake letters pointed at Jews were exploited to congeal fear. In late, in late August 1968, the Soviet Union invaded with their military. Now this goes to something we just experienced. See, you, you pre-plan, uh, for example, um, you seed the idea of uh, there being a problem. Uh, you seed it, and then you have the, uh, the media obviously promotes it. And then at some point you, you gin, up the, gin up the idea of it, and then you execute on the plan to, to quell this rebellion that you've created. You've uh, manufactured this entire situation. Uh, for example, the media propaganda from the China, uh, China uh, went through and created the lockdown uh, theory. And that was probably straight from uh, Xi Jinping's desk. So they used their bots and their propaganda to to attack uh, world uh, world leaders who may or may not have already knew about this uh, particular concept. But they immediately followed what China did, and then they continued. They, the thing is, is China came out of lockdown supposedly, allegedly, or, or if they ever did go into full lockdown uh, in February, in March. So while everybody else stayed in lockdown for months and months and months and did all this other uh, whoop-de-doo to create this uh, this uh, panic uh, amongst the population, the Chinese were busy uh, preparing for the next stage of their battle plan uh, which is what they're at right now. As a matter of fact, they're 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 entertaining the idea of uh, the invasion of Taiwan in some way, shape, or form. They're seeding the idea at this point. So they're seeding the idea. They'll eventually germinate it throughout the press. They'll gin up the the hostility. Um, and uh, of course, Taiwan knows that they've been in the the sights, the crosshairs of China for you know seventy years, ever since uh, Shanghai Shanghai Sheka. Um, escaped or abandoned the continent and moved to the to Formosa at that time. I guess you would call it. I guess that's the old name for it. Um, so anyway, we're in this we're in this cycle of of going through it. Uh, China has just taken. Here's the best way I can think of it. China's taken the the, the worst aspects or the most uh, I guess you could say most uh, important aspects of the the Russian ideology, the German ideology. Because they're planning on developing, they're, they're, they've disgusted and put that idea out there of the, the master, the master race, uh, the, the Chinese, Han Chinese, and superior soldiers and superior weapon technology and AI and, and all this kind of stuff. And we have a, we have a concerted effort around the globe, uh, like I said, from the World Economic Forum and, and uh, the Bill Gateses of the world, uh, these masters of the universe that are so so uh, they they can't they can't they can't get enough of war and terrorizing people they really can't they love this stuff for them it's in, it, they have to be entertained i think but they've signed on to this plan there's an obvious intent here you can tell it you can feel it if you i mean i, I, I the evidence is there it's not just it's just not me just saying it it, it, it exists because we're out here in this world trying to deal with this entire concept um, and I don't understand why uh, we have a military that's just sitting on its hands doing nothing except for the fact that they're all be they're all betraying the United States um, and maybe they think you know maybe they think we deserve it that's a, that's that's the sad thing is that you have people that are in these positions of power that are probably thinking oh well we we deserve to go down it's like you know, not only are you a traitor, you're just you're just a nihilistic idiot, because they're not going. The, the Chinese aren't going to. The only thing that you're, all you're going to do is be their pet, if anything. Um, you're going to be like Vichy, Vichy France, and 
you're going to be a servile under underclass to the, the at that time it was uh, the Germans, but uh, that's what they're going to do to not only the United States, but I think they're trying to do it throughout the world, and that's what I've, I, I'm hypothesizing. I'm trying to be like a Winston Churchill here, and it isn't because I'm Winston Churchill, but he raised the alarm on the, the German, um, their German aggressiveness uh, when they took over the Sudetenland and then eventually took over at that time, uh, uh, was it was it Czechoslovakia in 1938? I mean, you notice that uh, the balkanization of countries around a, a country is the first like like the first key indicators that your uh, your plan is to to try to do uh, more and more dangerous things. And the Chinese did it with Hong Kong in 2019, and we didn't push back against it because. Well, uh, I guess you could say a lot of home turf there. Plus, there was an agreement in place that Hong Kong was supposed to be subsumed by, I think, 2025. But don't hold me to that uh, that date or timeline because um, I thought it was when uh, I think Hong Kong would reverted back to independence in, I think, 1999, right prior to China's entry into the World Trade Organization. Um there was always an intent that they were going to take that back over, and this has always been the case. They 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 are, uh, despite what anybody thinks, despite what anybody tells you, they've always been an aggressive culture. There's a reason why they are the way they are. There's a reason why they've been around for five thousand years. It isn't because they play nice. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see here. I want to get to something before I move on. Uh, so Yuri uh, gave a telling example of how uh, Huey, South Vietnam, had a mass execution of people that were pro-American, literally several thousand. This came to his attention after the Americans liberated the town after a short-term com- communist occupation. The reasons communists could round up so many people was that they had a list, files of information on the locals to complete the heinous crime. His work and many others stationed there created the same files against Indian VIPs he courted. He dis- it, disgusted him. it disgusted him. Yuri's field boss told him to not waste time on the easily converted, the useless idiots to the cause. Rather, aim higher at the most capitalistic and pro-American elements in India. India's neighbor Pakistan was ripe for subverting too as the USSR deployed its KGB-trained op- operatives to stir the pot for to, uh, for a revolution, a war, or whatever they could al- do ultimately to become the solution to the conflict, another communist regime. Regime. So they play people off each other. That's that's nothing unusual, but uh, you need to be aware of it. Uh, at the highest levels, I mean, that we have so many uh, people that are doing such a disservice to this country and the media. The media is it, it, the media can be as truthful or as dishonest as they decide to be, and if someone is going to put it this way, once you once you catch somebody in an overt lie, why would you ever trust them again? Because you know that the they're not just lying. They're if if that lie is going to lead to people uh, losing their freedoms, you you should immediately uh, disassociate your your eyes and your time from that from that particular source. Uh, Bittman affirmed this. Pakistan was infiltrated through the Baluchkas, uh, Iranian ethnic group. I, I'm not going to say I know it's B A L U C H I S, an Iranian ethnic group, tasking them to foment liberation within the U.S. with USSR support. So it, this has always been a hot spot in the on the globe, um, and they and they are spread out throughout various countries. Uh, Pakistan, Oman, Iran, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Turkmenistan. So, uh, let's see. So, in January through July of 1970, Yuri defected by posing as a hippie in India, a stereotypical uh, stereotypical slacker American co- cover to get uh, to get to Canada. Uh, there he became a CBC journalist and hounded, hounded by the Soviet Union for his defection and information offered to the U.S. government. So we'll go through uh, two lists that he put together and then I'll uh, probably move on to something else. So ideological subversion from like Sun Tzu. So you rid- ridicule valid traditions. 
you implicate leaders in affairs, turn them over, uh, turn them, uh, turn them over to the scorn of the populace, disrupt the work of the government, um, don't shun the despicable elements, spread disunity and dispute, turn young against old, be generous with promises and rewards to collaborators and accomplices, accomplices in the downfall. So if you go through those steps, so I think we ought to obviously know they've been ridiculing valid traditions. I mean, you're trying to put pregnant women in the military. Uh, you really don't even have to go any further than that. Um, implicating leaders in affairs, okay, well, I mean, they're using that as a, a way to get rid of Andrew Cuomo. They they obviously tried to use that on uh, Donald Trump. Um and, and he had affairs. Don't get me wrong, but the, the idea is, is they use it as a they use it as a tool and methodology. This isn't about the the crime. This is about the larger political landscape. Um, disrupt the work of government. Well, I think we've been thoroughly disrupted thanks to our uh, uh, communist over overseers in in uh, in certain cities and states. Uh, don't shun the despicable elements. So for the media has done a great job of, of uh, guising Antifa and BLM as some uh, moral, uh, moralistic, uh, I guess you could say, uh, organizations that are you know really doing something helpful and beneficial for the United States, and they're not, and we know they're not. Anyone with eyes to see and you know a brain that functions can can obviously point out their uh, total hypocrisy their violent nature and behavior and that they went around for months and months and got no no pushback, no arrests, no arrests that stuck. They would arrest them out in Portland and then release them. And we found out recently that a lot of the charges have been dropped. Um, meanwhile, so uh, this came up yesterday. So evidently George Floyd's family got $27 million for his, uh, his uh, death in a civil lawsuit. Now, uh, you just think about that. Now, I understand that he, he died through a tragic cir circumstance. Uh, mainly, he was uh, ODing on uh, fentanyl at the time. He had three times the level of that in his system. That isn't to excuse anything that D Derek Chauvin may have done wrong, but uh, evidently he was trained to put his knee where he did on the body of uh, George Floyd during that time pit frame. Now, the other officers, if they were doing what they were supposed to do, should have been immediately getting an ambulance there. Why wasn't the ambulance on time? Was there some other circumstances that were not were not being discussed? I have no idea. Uh, I wasn't there at the event, and the uh, the video of the time of the of the situation that was posted on the Daily Mail showed a guy that was for several minutes, you know, just freaking out. And if you're an officer, I mean, they were pretty hands-off with him for a long time in terms of what he was doing, you know, between, and granted, the counterfeit bill and all that reason for why they were arresting them, we'll never know exactly all the circumstances there. Uh, <laughs> I really, I can't imagine, but if we found out that Floyd was somehow drugged prior to the situation uh, from other elements, uh, from other controlling elements, Boy, that would lead to a lot of uh, understanding as to why this situation blew up the way it did. Um, but because it seemed like a, a situation that uh, that can happen anywhere in this country, but it was just so happened that it targeted in Minneapolis, where we have a uh, a, a hardcore leftist uh, representative and uh, Ilhan Omar. And we have another, and we have uh, Keith Ellison, who happens to be, I think, the Attorney General of the state. Just have a lot of uh, curiosities there. You know, this is what you start doing when you're uh, start looking at situations, and you have to look at them through a wider lens. Doesn't mean that you're right. It just means that there's just too many odd little occurrences that are that are coming up. And if you know, if we had a operating Department of Justice that actually cared about these things, uh, we would find out that, you know, uh, massive criminality and coordination from the top end of our, our country. So, so uh, spread disunity and dispute. 
that's being done uh, across this country by idiots. Uh, Robin D'Angelo, uh, she's been making the tours through uh, the Big Ten. She stopped at Purdue University. She stopped in Ohio. She stopped in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, she tried to soak people out of another, was it $12,500 uh, to do it on a Zoom call after they called her out and said, no, uh, she's taking the place of a, uh, a BIPOC. It's a terminology they use now for uh, black, indigenous, and people of color. It's just disre- it's just reprehensible what they're trying to do, and a lot of other people are noticing it too. Because uh, ten years ago, we didn't have anywhere near this kind of racial strife being ginned up by people, and that's the thing they're using the racial strife to gin up our population so that we'll turn against each other. And there's no reason for this. There's none. There's none whatsoever to do this. Do we have our conflicts? Do we have our squabbles do we have people that are still racist yes there's unquestionably you always have people that are judgmental based upon super superficial characteristics but as i discussed in part one of this uh, a lot of that is being that is being ginned up by people that are upper class white people with way too much to free time on their hands who think that they should uh, insert themselves in every in every situation and all they ever do is make things worse they don't they don't know how to keep their keep their ideas to themselves or their or their meddling to a minimum um, instead of letting just people work things out on their own but of course you know social engineering has to go forth especially when you're dealing with communists so turn young against old well i think that's been uh that was uh, um, one of the unique aspects of this COVID virus, if you, if you noticed it. The old people were, were the ones that were experiencing uh, most of the, the uh, risk aspects of this, while the young people were being punished with them too. So, of course, the young people are going to start blaming old people for, for uh, not being healthy enough or being too old. This has always been done in society because the young people are impressionable and immature and don't have the the brain, they don't have the life experience to, to uh, ascertain what's been going on because they just don't have the, they don't have like I said they don't have the 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 time invested. I mean a, a fifteen the way you think at fifteen and twenty years old, is, uh, is not only just immature. You can be smarter and. You can be smarter than all get out, but that doesn't mean you have the life experience behind you to, to make the decisions that a 45-year-old with, you know, just modestly average intelligence does because they've had to live through experiences. After you live through something two or three times or seen things four or five, six, it's like anything else. Repetition builds builds a muscle, you know. Was it uh, Bruce, uh, matter of fact, Bruce Lee, I had to uh, quote, I'm more afraid of a guy who's practiced one kick 10,000 times than, than a person who's practiced 10,000 kicks one time. I think you can get the subtle, subtle, subtleness of that, uh, that being a master, uh, mastery comes through experience and repetition, you know, or as uh, Tony Robbins once put, which I'm not a big fan of, but, uh, you know, I, I have read his work or seen stuff. Uh, repetition is the mother of skill. <clears throat> so when when the young people are used and they're being used and exploited by uh, the top echelons of our society, the elite, anytime you see an elite or, in, in matter of fact, in, in other uh, time frames, anytime you see a dictatorial leader uh, hanging around the young or using a young person, uh, to push an ideology like climate change, like Greta Thunberg, uh, and there's been a host of other, especially women, uh, girls, young girls, that have been used by uh, totalitarian dictators to to present themselves as, oh, I'm 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 not a harm, I'm not a danger to anybody. Yet they're, you know, ordering people to be put against the wall or put in concentration camps or put in prison. Meanwhile, they. They put on the public facade of being this nicey, nicey person. And I, I hate to break the news to you, but I don't think Joe Biden is anything but a one of those people. Though he's so demented, it won't make any difference because he won't be around. Uh, he, he'll be taken out of leadership once he commits an atrocity of any sort. See, I think that's another thing, too. He's being set up for failure. Why? So they can bring in 
the next uh, installment, the next installed leader who will, who will be able to be given uh, wide authority to do whatever she wants because she can't be criticized. At least that's the way I, pro- I project it, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what plays out. Be generous with promises and rewards to collaborators and accomplices in the downfall. This has been a key aspect of last year. So BLM was, BLM at one point got uh, about $10 billion throughout their little uh, money hustle. And uh, <laughs> Act Blue was a, uh, a payment processor, and they funneled that money directly to the Democratic Party. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. I think at one point, I think I, I had something like $800 million had been pumped through there. So you were donating to BLM, but then the money was being funneled through, through to the DNC. So what were you really donating to? Um, not only that, so all the collaborators, the BLM, uh, for example, Kamala Harris last summer was putting out tweets saying that uh, she was in support of uh, bailing out criminals. I mean, you think about that. You know, when is it that when is it the politician's job to interfere with the judicial process by supporting all these people to be bailed out of jail who just committed crimes on the street? You know, I can't go out and riot. The average person, the average normal thinking person who has a job or or does something on a daily basis that occupies themselves to create something beneficial, doesn't have time to go to the streets every night and go break up, break stuff or riot, or scream, or get involved with the police, uh, or to sit there and uh, pretend to be uh, this uh, holier-than-thou individual while they're not. Uh, so anyway, uh, the promises and rewards, BLM was ex- had expectations after Biden was put in charge. They, they said, uh, we expect a seat at the table. You understand what that was? That's just, that that would just basically winds up being blackmail, literally blackmail. It's like you know we uh, we helped you get elected by being uh, uh, disruptive to the entire process. Now we want now we want payoff for that. And I say you know gimme gimme. So uh, this is this is just this has been going on. Um, so anyway, our our friend Yuri, he was just he was uh, very much. Um, ahead of his time, he predicted that, you know, we were going to go through the, we're going to go through a, uh, demoralization phase, which demoralization usually takes about a generation. So say the last 20 years, he was ahead of his, ahead of the curve. I think he thought that the, the internal system of America's education was, uh, more resilient, but I think he also didn't know what was coming. So, yeah, demoralization takes about a, a dec, uh, you know, fifteen to twenty years. The basically the span of a, a generation, and then you have destabilization. You destabilize, which is what we're going, we've gone through. We've been destabilized as a country. Now we're at the crisis peak or crisis point. And when I say crisis, see, COVID was, uh, I guess you could say, the first wave of crisis i think because of the the but because of the way our country is set up in terms of its constitution uh the crisis has to is going to be an ongoing rolling crisis a crisis of confidence a crisis of of health a crisis in education a crisis in the economy the economy is the key and if it comes this summer where we have massive inflation you know all of a sudden things will go haywire and um I don't know what'll happen, because then, of course, uh, Washington D.C. has pretty much made it made it a uh, uh, outward appearance that they would declare martial law and try to lock down everybody, everybody, and that will. I think that's when things will get hot in this country, and then of course this is exactly what a country like China, who owns the UN, and if you hear the U.S. military and the UN are involved in this lord help us um as a country but that would be exactly what the plan would be because uh as yuri said you know with uh, czechoslovakia they they steamrolled tanks in there and that was that and that was just a little country of czechoslovakia it'll be a little bit different here in the united states obviously it's going to be much different but you know we'll we'll see what our resistance is we'll see how many of our military members on the on the enlisted side 
are just going to be obedient sheep and just go out and do what they're told and how many of them resign or, or, or abandon their post. Now, granted, there's a, there's a price to be had for doing something like that, but that's a, to, in my estimation, I think that's a, that's a good price to pay. Uh, let's see here. What else can I go to? Um, so just uh, uh, for my video, um, I got a link to the archive.org, which is Yuri Bezmenov's Love Letter to America. It's a, it's a short read. It's only 24 pages, but I mean, that, I mean it's like a mini book, uh, mini pamphlet, so to speak. I think, it, I think it taught a lot at the time. Uh, let's see, what else can we go to? So last year, or not last year, so this article here from uh, Jamel Bouye, it's an opinion. It's from March 12th. So Joe Biden knew, knew he was on to something long before we did. <laughs> the advent of COVID-19 changed his concept of the presidency for the better. Yeah, like Joe Biden knows what the concept of a presidency is. Yeah, supposedly. And of course, they're referring back to when he was maybe coherent enough to make a make an actual statement. Um, so it's funny. I think it may, I think it may not dwarf, but eclipse what FDR faced. He's, he added, Hmm. It's interesting why he would reference back to FDR. FDR went through the great depression and then he went through a, a world war. I wonder if, uh, he's, he's just echoing that sentiment as in, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to go through a de great depression and then, uh, China is going to start a war with us which they will start a war with us. Or they'll see the idea that we started a war with them when they've been running a war against us for probably 25 years at least, or at least 20 years since the World Trade Organization. Um, Biden referred to Franklin Roosevelt again in an interview with Evan Osnos of The New Yorker. I'm kind of in the position FDR was, he said. I mean, boy, <laughs> really? <laughs> Uh, why are you in that position, I wonder? In a week before the election, Biden gave a speech at the Roosevelt's Winter uh, White House in Warm Springs, Georgia, where he promised to overcome a devastating virus and heal a suffering world. You can't even heal your own brain, uh, Joe Biden. You're not going to heal anything. Uh, in other words, Biden telegraphed his fdr size ambition throughout the year, and the first major bill of his administration is, in fact, an fdr size piece of legislation yeah and it's going to destroy the u.s economy so lastly we'll finish off with gordon chang he's got a article up from march 9th uh red alert china is winning the great 21st century tech war so i mean nes he's been on china's behind for the last i don't know who knows how many years uh but he did a movie in 2012 and i mean he's been he's been warning us too for the last decade about how dangerous China is while our US State Department and other people keep on saying no it's Russia you know Russia has too many too many uh, what do you call it uh, too many hackers that are destroying your country which don't worry uh, the cyber technology is probably uh, one way to shut down this country really quick it may be even the maybe the preferred choice uh, if uh, our um, systems are are compromised but why are, our, why are our systems compromised? Because we have big tech that's working against us. Our own, uh, our own Silicon Valley people are so aligned left that they would, they would gladly open the door for such a cyber attack because they're, they're, they're just evil people, to be frank about it. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, the whole gang, Jeff Bezos. You can just keep on down going down the list. My, obviously, Gates and Gates's clones at uh, Microsoft, all these West Coast elite that think, you know, they think that they can somehow be a tech, they, they think they're going to get a seat at the table, the technocracy of the, of the future. Um, they'll get what they, they'll get what's coming to them when the time comes. So I don't know when that's going to happen. But if China takes over the world, uh, they, they won't be around. They won't, they won't experience the joys any further than anybody else does, but they will have already sold our soul to the devil. They just don't know it yet. Uh, China, pursuant to its 14th five-year plan, five-year plan, as they uh, would be echoing Stalin there, <laughs> will increase spending 7% per year to achieve major breakthroughs in 
areas of frontier technology. Specifically, the country will devote resources to artificial intelligence, quantum information, semiconductors, brain science, genomics, and biotech, clinical, medical, and health, and deep space, deep sea, and deep earth. Well, one reason why they want to take over Taiwan is because Taiwan evidently has a, uh, the next generation of uh, uh, computer chips that are you know, uh, highly prized throughout the world getting a hold of and stealing that technology or stealing that plant unmolested by their invasion would be, you know, would be a coup. You know, this is like, you know, like I said, this is like Germany. Uh, if you take over enough resources and you take over enough uh, land uh, from the right people and you build up your military, which is what Germany did in the in 1930s, they started building up their Navy and they started building up their armies. And actually they were, uh, they, they probably were, buffoons in some respects because after securing a, a non-aggression pact with uh, the Soviet Union while they divvied up Poland in 19, uh, September and October of 1939 um, you know because it took like six weeks uh, they would have been better served to hold off on their attack but you know Hitler being Hitler he, he did he did himself a disservice when he decided to fight a two-front war if he had to put all his eggs in knocked off the western powers of course you know he always he he may have had he may have he may have got uh, seceded quicker that being said the soviet union turned out to be the the real uh enemy that if we would have uh uh put a stomp down to global communism at that point we we may have we may have had a shot as an american people but uh we didn't have the right leadership or the right, right vision <clears throat> So, in, di in addition to theft, China's leaders adopted a determined methodological and disciplined approach to developing their own innovations. Beijing's efforts to master key technologies have been massive, state-directed, and government-funded. Government funding has been China's key tactic. Uh, Ye Zhu, uh, Yuan, the head of basic research at the Ministry of Science and Technology, just announced that China's spending on basic research nearly doubled during the just-completed 13th five-year plan. So <clears throat> they have a national laboratory for quantum information scientists, a multi-billion-dollar facility spread over 86 acres. It's the world's largest quantum research lab. This why we're worried about you know putting women in flight suits and getting prego uh, women up in the up in planes so that they can you know fight the mission or whatever. They're working on quantum stuff, and, and of course we are. At, we have our research labs, but those research labs have been hijacked. We have such a huge national security holes in our country. Uh, you know, whether it be Lawrence Livermore or Research Triangle Park or Harvard University or Stanford, all these idiots that are in these facilities, they just let Chinese people come and go as they please. They do. I mean, we know with Charles Lieber, they let that go. And when you're when they're these people are at the supposedly at the state of the art um, facilities in the United States, and yeah, they'll say, oh, we have all the uh, security. Um, well, guess what? You know, infiltrate communist infiltration's been going back. That's been going going on forever. It happened in the United States in the 1940s. Uh, physics laboratories were being, you know, the bomb got out for a reason. It didn't get to Soviet uh, the Soviet Union by accident. We had the first. Uh, I mean, granted, they were everybody was working on it in one way, shape, or form. But it's always been uh, stealing technology, stealing uh, research has been one of the key aspects of the communist social utopia that they're looking for. They steal from other people. Stealing is, I mean, it's treason, and it should be treated as such. But uh, we don't have we we have. We don't have the stomach for it anymore in this country to actually punish people for their crimes. I mean, there's a reason why there is a death penalty. They should have been a death penalty. See, it, it discourages people because if they know that their life's at stake, they may not want to do what they're going to do. They may uh, say they came up short and they may defect. They may do other things. There's someone, you know, think about it. It's morally wrong to just say, I'm going to go around stealing things because I can steal things. I mean, <laughs> you can say that they just do it for the greater cause. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party makes people 
uh, swear an oath to the country, to the cause. Uh, when you sign up for the military, you swear an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And many other countries in the world have the same kind of oath if you're involved with the military service. But really, I mean, as a citizen, you should feel the same way. I mean, you don't, you don't have to swear an oath to it, but you should be deep inside your heart. You should be patriotic enough to know that your country matters to you. Your, your, your immediate surroundings is, indic is, is, is influenced by your government, the people that you have ceded enough power and control to create law and order to, but they should also, it's a contract, you're, a social contract that you're supposed to uh, achieve um, some uh, 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 benefit from. And the benefit is that you have individual liberty to, to speak your mind, to, to criticize your government, to criticize people, uh, to uh, to assemble, uh, to uh, to peacefully assemble and protest their their initiatives. You see, the most powerful voice is your voice. Uh, the media shows you that. Look at how much the media has just damaged our society through their 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 outlets. The reason why they're so easily easily manipulated is because uh, booze and broads and and uh, money. You know they. They buy them off. All our media, like, if if people get a voice and use our voice to be heard uh, and, and make a big enough ruckus, and that's what that was what the D.C. Uh, situation was supposed to be like. Uh, unfortunately, we had we had use, useful idiots, and we also have, uh, like I said, uh, agent provocateurs who de design designed that situation to to uh, smear. Uh, the what what now is the outgoing president, or out yeah, um, in that regard, and that was his stupidity too. See Trump, I I don't give him any. I don't I don't sit here and say to, that he 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 impressed me in every way, shape, or form. He really pisses me off with the vaccine. Uh, I think he would have been better if he would have just said, yeah, we supported it and funded it, and that's it. And let he should have never he should never take credit for it. He should just say. I did what we felt was necessary. We provided funding to the outlets, the private sector that we thought would be uh, useful to achieve some kind of vaccine. But I have no, I have no scientific background that makes me know whether or not they're doing the, going down the right, right path. And if he had done that, I'd have been much more imp impressed with him. I do remember he wrote an executive order that said they didn't, um, there was no compulsion to take the vaccine. He made an executive order. I can probably pull it up if I had to. That being said, he didn't he didn't hold the Health and Human Services accountable for uh, any lawsuits. Uh, they got a free pass. Uh, they gave uh, vaccine um, manufacturers a, a uh, immunity from prosecution or immunity from uh, civil liability for it. Liability uh, immunity, which is just that's the way it's all this, 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 this that wasn't always the case but ever since the 1976 swine flu they um they got sued got sued into the oblivion then and uh the vaccine uh, vaccine suppliers have always been hesitant they always work at the fringes of of the the money hustle and in the health and big pharma because you know i understand people in the science community some of them will say you're just being um what do you call it? Um, um, a fear mongering about vaccines. That uh, we've had good vaccines. I mean, uh, I I don't believe that's the case. Because uh, vaccines have been uh, used and exploited for other techniques. I'm just afraid of someone sticking something into my arm and into my body that I don't have a whole lot of control over, and certainly don't know what's inside that syringe. Um, and uh, I know there's enough people that are attached to certain manufacturers that have a, what would you call it, a eugenics bent. So therefore, uh, I don't really particularly care for those people. Anybody, and they they just rename themselves. They call themselves, you know, medical ethicists. They say that they they care about ethics, but they they probably have nothing of the sort. Because really, uh, it's always been the same thing since the Rockefellers took over medicine in the United States. Uh, that uh, 
they've been wanting to uh, thin out the herd, so to speak, as their would be their euphemistic term for it. Um, and that's just that's just sick. I mean, it just shows you. And, and they won't say it overtly. They they use they use linguistic twi- tricks around that. You know, they they are smart individuals, and they know that. They know they're highly intelligent. They know that if you see through their bullshit, and if you can, that you're a danger to their their hustle, or you're a danger you're a danger to their uh, ideological bent. It's why so many of them are, in a, in a, in a nutshell, you can you can look at some of them and you can see how weak a person they are mentally, and how easily corruptible they are. You know, they love praise. They like that little pat on the head they get from their. Um, Somebody like a Gates or a G or or anybody at the high ends or a Boris Johnson or any prime minister, if they get pats on the head, they're very happy. There's a reason why Fauci's been around the medical profession for fifty plus years. He's eighty years old. Why doesn't he retire? Why is it? Why didn't he retire ten years ago or fifteen years ago? I mean, what's? I mean, he's not knowledgeable anymore. He's eighty years old. He's an administrator. He hasn't been like somebody said. He hasn't been in a lab in thirty years. He's just been a functionary, and I mean, that tells you something. Somebody who stays around too long in a particular position, who's uh, attached to the government, you start to worry, and that's the reason why we're we're in this predicament. We have too many people who have been in government for twenty, thirty, forty years, and they and you can you can see their fingerprints in everything, from the bills they push to the policies that they design to the way they treat information, the way they treat their people, the way they treat people, the people in society, in normal society. They treat us as just numbers and sheep. They don't treat us as people, as human beings. They certainly won't have a conversation with you because they don't think that you're, they think you're too far beneath them to ever have that conversation. So uh, I think I've uh, explored enough of this uh, topic. Um, I hopefully I can get back to you. I'm probably wait until Monday to do another uh, Sparker broadcast and uh, a video. I uh, hope all of you, if anybody happened to actually listen to this, um, you have a good day and um, uh, be prepared and uh, keep the faith. <laughs>